Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. We've been waiting for this for so long. Today we were talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Part 1. Season 3 premiered in summer of 2019. And now we're in 2022. So and this has been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming for you. I am a newer fan. I don't naturally sign up for scary. So I did not sign up for this show until the pandemic actually hit. So more time has passed for you than it has for myself. And I was like, oh yeah, that show, that's really scary. That somehow I'm into. And here we are. Right? And I loved every episode. Right. Okay. So Lena in 2019, that summer, she got me into Stranger Things. I had never watched it. So season three was coming out. So we binged season one, season two, and then watched season three as soon as it came out. And it was really fun. It was fresh on my mind when season four came out. I remember watching the first episode because you were telling me. I forced you. You did. Yes. You did. I was a happiness bully. You were. And I was texting you the whole time, like, oh, it is not looking good for good Barb for <laughs> at all. Barb, poor Barb. Yeah. And I was like, this upside down, I'm not a fan. Nope. <laughs> you will not see me getting an Airbnb anywhere near here. Nope. No, like, thank I'm you. on the right side up. Nope. Nope. No, go into yeah. the hard pass. Down. I watched the majority of the first season during the day because I could not watch it at night. And each season, they progressively stepped up their game. In making it more scary and or more gruesome. And this season did not disappoint. Great storylines throughout the whole, like every season, regardless, um, which is why we watched season four. But I was very impressed with how well the season was done. Okay. So I loved season one, but season two is when I fell in love with Steve's hair <laughs> and, and him. So he's just mama, Steve, just always babysitting everybody with his like baseball bat with all the nails sticking out of it. He consistently gets better and better each season. Yeah. I just really, I enjoy him a lot. Let's get into casting. All we right. have Finn Wolfhard as Mike Wheeler, Millie Bobby Brown as 11. Noah Schnapp as Will Byers, Gaten Mazzarazzo as Dustin Henderson, Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas Sinclair, Sadie Sink as Max Mayfield, David Harbour as Jim Hopper, Joe Keery as Steve Harrington, my fave, <laughs> Natalia Dyer as Nancy Wheeler, Charlie Heaton as Jonathan Byers, Winona Ryder as Joyce Byers, and then we have Maya Hawk. One of my personal favorites is Robin Buckley. And we had Matthew Modine come back as Dr. Martin Brenner. Oh, Paul Reiser. Yes. Dr. Owens came out. And then a newbie, Joseph Quinn, is Eddie Munson. Yeah, he was a fun character. Oh, and then we have Jamie Campbell Bauer, Peter oh. Ballard. And we won't say who else he is, but we'll wait till we get into the tea. Yeah, so obviously there was like a huge time gap for them. It had been a year, but really it had been a lot longer and they looked a lot older, but it worked because they were kind of starting high school. So it kind of worked and everybody had a really big growth spurt. I was very happy with the time jump. We're in the thick of the eighties. Yes. It was eighties gold mm -hmm. watching this season. And I was born in the eighties, late eighties. I did not get to live through them and seeing that those eighties rich scenes of the roller rink, the hair. Oh, yeah. I feel very fortunate that I missed the perm phase. Oh God. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> the 80s nostalgia was absolutely glorious with especially with the light bright. Yes. I just remember wanting the light bright so bad as a kid. My favorite thing was a glow worm. <laughs> 
Lena had the audacity to ask me if that's what the roller rink was like when I went there. I was like, okay, first of all, sister friend, I was barely two years old at that time. I was not at the skating rink until Montel Williams was singing. This is how we do it. Okay. And that was like (laughs) in 1997. No, I was not at the roller rink in 86. I mean, they do the eighties really well. It's such a nostalgic show because it just feels like back to the future and like Mm -hmm. Goonies and all these, all these movies that I grew up watching. Okay. So we end off season three where Hopper throws this bomb, close the opening to the upside down that the Russians are trying to open. So we think that Hopper's dead. We think that everything's closed that the, or the mind flayer is bye-bye and 11 has lost her powers. And so here we are a year later and the buyers and 11 have moved to California and the rest of the crew is back in Hawkins and some shady stuff is starting to go down. So here we are now. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. If you do not want to hear a spoiler for Stranger Things season four, part one, this is where we part ways. But if you've watched it and you need to obsess some more about this, then this is for you. I feel like this is the spookiest season yet. Scariest, hands down, gruesome. Absolutely. Did it give me nightmares? 100%. Yes. It didn't give me any nightmares, but... I never watched any horror films as a kid, still don't watch horror films, hate them. So yeah. a lot of people were, I was reading online that it was likening to different horror films. And I was like, oh, I have no idea because I've never watched them, but it definitely had horror film vibes for sure. But the thing that they do really well on this show is that the humor in the friendships and they're having just these totally normal conversations under these like extraordinary circumstances, you kind of, it takes you out of the scary part a little bit just so funny. Like, I think that's why we like movies like Goonies because it's like, they're all friends, even though they're going through something really scary and you're just kind of along for the ride. It's not like they're just coming into their own with acting. It's been this amazing the whole time. They had some good duos happening. I'm curious to know what, who your favorite duo is. Mine is hands down Steve and Dustin season okay. two, when they're walking on the train tracks, Steve's like talking to him about girls and like his hair and everything. He's got like the bat in his backpack. I'm like, I've loved that bromance ever since then. They're just going strong. And I just love them. I'm super torn with this question. Cause I have two. I'm yeah, always going to be, I might know. I don't know if you know this. Oh, I will always be team Steve and Nancy mm. because they do a great job looking over these kids, taking mm-hmm. ownership mm-hmm. and responsibility. But I love Dustin in general, and I feel Dustin paired with anyone. He brings up your IQ points, like five to six notches easily. We've seen him in every friend dynamic group. Mm -hmm. And then we saw him with Erica. Oh, yeah, I love him with Erica. These two are unstoppable. She caught on to everything so quickly in a matter of moments as he was just rambling about theories about the upside down. Mm -hmm. And she immediately sees the lights flicker. Yeah, Dustin with Erica, I thought was my favorite this season. They were really fun last season too. Steve and Robin and Erica and Dustin, like what they were called the Scoops Troop because remember they would go to like <laughs> Goops Ahoy or whatever and get ice yes. cream. And so we really got to see that fun, like on screen, like, funny chemistry. Erica, her character, she just brings so much to every scene and she's just not taking any crap from anybody at any time. And she's like five steps ahead of everybody. She's uh, a little bit of a sasshole and I love her for it. I love that word. Sasshole. That is so great. Mm-hmm. Hashtag sasshole. Yeah. Yeah. But then my close second was Nancy and Robin. 
this like when okay. they went the, when they went to the like insane asylum mm-hmm. and then Robin like stands up and she like gives this whole speech. They let them go and see Victor Creel. Robin, she did incredible. She really came into her own. She just really shined this season. Everybody's story has so much to it. Mm-hmm. And you just love all of them. What was your favorite episode? Oh, seven. Me too. I, I loved how everything started to come together and be explained. So they go back to the trailer park where Chrissy was first murdered and they know that there's like an opening. So Steve and Robin and Eddie and Nancy are going through the upside down and they go back into the trailer and then they get there and then they hear this noise. And then it's like Dustin from the other side and they're opening it. And then they like look up and they see each other. And just that amazing, like opposing gravity situation was really cool. It defied physics. I don't know how they did that, but it was really awesome. And then Lena and I looked at each other because we knew I'm like either Steve's getting stuck there or Nancy's getting stuck there. Or Steve's going to die. And then sure enough, Nancy gets, she gets sucked into the mind prison with Vecna. And I was trying to think back if there were any signs that was going to happen to her. Did you see any signs of that? Because, you know, with Max, we saw and all the other, they very specifically showed us, okay, they might have a nosebleed. They might have these hallucinations, but we didn't have any of that leading up with Nancy, but maybe because she got so close to figuring it out that Vecna was like, uh, no, I'm going to put a stop to this. No, I think they, at the very end, when they're explaining Vecna's backstory, mm-hmm. they highlight the symptoms throughout the seasons for Nancy versus this instant trauma, these nightmares, this nosebleed. It's just things that have happened slowly over the seasons to Nancy, you know, Barb dying. She felt responsible for Barb's death. All these little insecurities that add, did add up that Vecna chimed into instantly, not realizing she was a candidate for this. Okay. So you don't think that he was targeting her before? Cause I don't no. think he was targeting her until that moment. He just correct swooped her and got her. He was tapping into all those insecurities and all that, that guilt. And it's, it's obvious that she kind of overcompensates for things. Cause she's a perfectionist. So my favorite Steve moment, cause I just love Steve is it's hard to pick just one, but he jumps into the lake and then is shirtless and fights off all of these, you know, those vampire bats. And then Nancy immediately jumps in after him and then Robin and then Eddie, and then just the teamwork and the oars. And they're just taking out those bats. Like that is what we live for in this series is those moments where you see these ordinary, but extraordinary, you know, kids just kicking some major, butt. Lena thought Steve was going to die in that scene. I was screaming at my TV when that happened. (laughs) My dogs looked so scared and so worried because I was like, don't you ever go for a night swim? You understand me? Like you do not know what is in that water. I won't go into water if I can't see the bottom of it. There's, it's not happening. (laughs) Even like I have to go swimming in a pool where I can see how clear the water is and have a mental note that nothing is going to get me. Okay. There is no tide that can pull me under. There's just so many red flags here. And I was like, oh, of course, Steve. I don't want to see this happen. Oh no. And we've seen a plethora of kids die at this point. I was like, not Steve. No, no. And (laughs) don't take my Steve. Why would you volunteer as tribute to go and see a, a gate underwater? That just sounds dumb. Your compass clearly told you, yes, bad news underwater. You know where it is. You're good. That's good enough for me. I wouldn't even go out. 
in a boat at night. No, thank you. They always walk towards danger. Everyone on this show, they're like, oh, the red smoke. That looks like something I want to walk towards <laughs> right, right now. Just knowing that your oxygen is also limited. I was like, this is not good news. No, thank you. Immediately. No. Yeah. But if you think about what Steve is, he's fought off Demogorgons. He's like fought off so many different things and been in so many different situations. This is not their first time going into the upside down. Right. Once you've been scared shitless, like how much more scared can you be? Who was your favorite new character? Oh, okay. I'm going to give this one to Vecna. Okay. Yeah. Vecna as Vecna or Vecna when he was one? Uh, All three. Vecna when he was one. Vecna when he was Henry Creel. And Vecna when he was Peter Ballard. He came out of nowhere. I for sure thought he was an ally for Elle. Then he played the villain role beautifully. So if you remember in Twilight, he was one of the Volturi. He was too nice and I have trust issues. So I didn't trust him ever. And I called it from the beginning. I told Lena, I was like, he didn't want to talk about who one was. He's one. I know mm-hmm. he's one. And she had already watched it. So she didn't want to tell me anything. I was like, he's one. There's no doubt about it. So- I did have a feeling that he was one, but I was curious as to why he didn't, why he wasn't mentioning it in terms of like, did they take his powers away and why is he still here? And maybe he's rooting for L, but I didn't think he was rooting for L for all the wrong reasons. I really thought he was an ally for L at the time. But he got me. My new favorite character is is Vecna. His eyes were piercing blue. Yeah. And I saw that I recognized that in episode like five. There was a shot of just his eyes. And I was like, oh, there might be a connection here. Okay. That was the only like clue I had that he might be Vecna. My favorite character, a uh, new character, would have to be Eddie. He just fit right in. He's just kind of like easy, fun, loving, nerdy, a little bit kooky. But then when he first goes into the upside down after he follows everyone, he's like, Jesus, Jesus H Christ. And I was like, it just reminded me of, okay. So Alan know <laughs> that Claire says Jesus H Roosevelt Christ. And oh, Eddie, you just sealed the deal for me right there. <laughs> okay. So the biggest question that I need answered is what the heck did Will paint? What is this painting? situation. They brought his painting with him. We don't know what nobody ever showed us. He kind of took a a little bit of a backseat this season. I mean, he did have some good conversations with Mike, but Lena showed me this TikTok where I think it's season two, where his mom, Joyce tells him, and she's like, do you know what day it is? It's your birthday, March 22nd. And then it's very quick, but at the roller skating rink, when that guy gets out his video camera, to like film 11 getting like bullied. Mm-hmm. The timestamp on that video is March 22nd. Oh, so it was Will's birthday and he was kind of like mopey the whole time because nobody acknowledged his birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's he heartbreaking. Just, yeah. He tends to kind of get ignored until like something happens to him. I don't think anything's going to happen to him again because they've kind of played that out, but It'll be interesting to see what they do with his character because he still seems like a little bit lost. My biggest question I I feel like I need answered was, are 1 and 11 related somehow? I'm, I'm torn. I know that they have different parents, but maybe they're cousins. I don't know. But one made a point of saying, 
Dr. Brenner thinks that you are the most powerful and that's why all these other kids are going to try and take you out. And here's your key to escape. So that way you can just take advantage of that right now. And I'm curious what Dr. Brenner saw in L to make one think that way. So the fact that he's even still alive shows like that, that what he's saying is a lie, because if, if Dr. Brenner thought that 11 was too powerful and was going to hurt people, he would have put the same thing in back of her neck that he did in one, the little tracker thing that okay. subdued the powers, because he's not going to kill them. He doesn't want to kill them, right? right? He, their assets, they're valuable. So one was just lying to her. Okay. Then what did one see in 11 that made him think that way? To make him think that she was that powerful. I think he wanted to get her on his side to help him get the thing out of his neck so he could have his powers back and take revenge. Okay. But do you think there's any connecting factors between him being one and her, her being 11, like one and one? I didn't. Team, like any subtle. I think he was just using that to get her to trust him any way that he could. Like we're the same, this and that. Okay. He'd be 39 years old. But her biological dad, there's a whole backstory on him on the fandom app. So I know they're not related, but maybe they're cousins. I don't know. Maybe it's a genetic mutation that they both have. And he just saw potential in her. Maybe. I just have this weird feeling that they're somehow connected. I don't know if they shared the same gene pool somehow, but he's 39 and she's, she's a teenager. So there is enough of an age gap. If they wanted to write it out that that was her biological dad, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch. In the novel, he she has a totally different dad who was sent away to war. And the novel. And yeah. On the fandom app, they explain that there's a Stranger Things novel called Suspicious Minds. And Elle's dad gets drafted into the war, not realizing that his girlfriend's pregnant with his daughter. And Dr. Brenner was behind him getting drafted. So that way they could be separated and he wouldn't have a say in what goes down with this kid. And a lot of her power moves that she used in the first, second, and third season are his moves. The snapping of the neck, the hand gestures. Yeah, I think she She learned it from him. She learned it from him. I think him showing her the numbers and saying, oh, I'm one, you're 11, whatever. And like showing that they're similar. Mm -hmm. It's just manipulation which could be very accurate. But the fact that these two are going to be the ones that battle it out in the end, maybe there's some, some subtle nod to one and one, one against one. Yeah. What is the connection there? You know, or maybe there hadn't been anyone that was as powerful as one until 11, or maybe she's as powerful as him, but she's good and he's evil. Yeah. Because when she was trying to overcome him, she thought of a good memory Mm -hmm. because he was teaching her you know, my power comes when I think about a memory where I'm sad and angry and she's decided to fuel her power with something else. So it's, you know, that classic good versus evil. Yeah. Good point. Okay. We're getting there. I don't know. So I don't know. They could be the biggest question. I didn't know I needed to know was how L opened the portal in the first place. They slowly lead up Mm -hmm. throughout this, all of season four, Mm -hmm. how gates are all over You just need to find them and they're happening where people are dying. You know, gates are created where people, all these kids are dying. Yeah. So they're going sporadically where these gates are. And then it leads up to where the first portal, where it all started in the first season. And I was like, oh, that never crossed my mind to figure out how it happened in the first place. Now I know. (laughs) I loved that explanation. And then Mm -hmm. 
it was almost like this page by page reveal. And then all comes together. You know, you really believe in the beginning of the episode that 11 killed all those people. Yeah. And then you find out she didn't actually kill all those people. And I kind of had a feeling because she kept saying, I'm such a monster. I'm a monster. And she really believed this about herself, but she had blocked out this traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And it was just like such a nice relief for the viewer to say like, oh, she really isn't a monster. She isn't going to be the bad guy in the end because some people were talking about, oh, maybe it's going to be kind of like at the end of Game of Thrones where um, Khaleesi, she becomes the bad guy and kills everyone. I'm like, please don't. Let's not rehash that because that was not a great ending. (laughs) I don't know. I just felt it was very poetic. You just are staring staring at it if the screen goes to black it's all over and you're like crap when's it gonna be july 1st like (laughs) i need to know what is going to happen question for you yes did you catch any easter eggs i don't know i have to i need to watch a second time because i was i watched it once and just was consuming it okay why what did you see the spiders the spiders stuck out to me they were repetitive throughout almost every episode. And did I have nightmares about spiders? Yes. But I knew by episode like three or four, the spiders had some symbolic meeting or they were a crucial point in the storyline somewhere. And I was like, okay, they're doing, they're showing this more than once for a reason, not just because it's scary. But when I looked at Vecna with all of his, I thought they were tentacles at first when he's latched on to like the pillars in the attic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of spidery. Like what's going on here? And I don't know. They showed like a brief, like a spider dangling in the attic mm-hmm. to begin with. And I was like, oh, spider in the attic. And then we see Vecna attached to the pillars with all of his eight tentacle thingies. And I was just like, okay, there's something here, but I didn't. I think he's trapped. I think she has him tied down and he's trying to find a way to release himself because he comes to people in their mind like the mind flayer does mm-hmm. and, but he isn't physically coming to them. He's still stuck where 11 has him. Oh, cause he's not free to walk on, I guess the right side up because they keep showing the him there. That's where he is in real time. He's mm-hmm. stuck in that thing, but he'll enter people's minds and kind of show himself to them walking around, but he can't actually walk around. Well, right. But as a kid, he has that bond being in the attic with his spiders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. He has that connection. There's something in the attic though, that connects him. Like, I felt like that was his cerebro. If he was Patrick Stewart Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was just, that's his strongest point where he can do the most damage. So I think the biggest cliffhangers was does 11 have her powers fully. Will Steve and Nancy get together? And how did one send the Demogorgons from the upside down? How did he become buddy, buddy with the mind flayer? Because this, it was said that the Demogorgons were like the henchmen. And then Vecna is like the five-star general of the mind flayer is what they were saying. Point. Okay. So I'm like it, but was he the mind flayer or did he meet the mind flayer? Cause the mind flayer looked like a spider. So was he connected with the mind flayer? We don't know. We don't know what's going on. Steve and Nancy for the win always and forever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, ah, sorry, I'm just team Steve. I mean, I liked it when she went to Jonathan at the time, mm-hmm. but I'm really loving her and, and Steve together. Yeah. Cause he's always there. There's only two episodes in part two. So it's like the finale. 
That's so sad. <laughs> I know it's very sad. I'm not okay, but in all fairness, the first half of season four, all the episodes were super long. Yeah, they I had are to, long. They did not I, disappoint. Everything I wanted. I paused this multiple times and I was like, oh, I'm still on episode five. And it's not that they dragged. I was just, oh, oh wow. And like episode seven was an hour and a half. That's a almost a movie. That's a, a Disney rom-com. Yeah, they frame. definitely, I mean, with the time that they had, they they used it well. And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. With prints inspired by Outlander, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, Marvel, and more, you are sure to find a design that celebrates your favorite fandom. We're offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can dish and spill the tea with more fangirls and fanguys like you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and to hear all of our latest episodes. We love hearing from you, so connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our website to see all that the fangirls are up to. We post a monthly shopping guide called The Fangirl's Favorite Things, inspired by your favorite fandoms. All the information will be in the show notes. See you next time. See you next time. We here at Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Netflix, the cast of Stranger Things, anything Stranger Things related. Just big fans. Just really big fans. Looking forward to part two. And Steve's hair. Oh, Steve's hair. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.